1997, a site by the name of Six Degrees is launched, becoming the first true social media site in existence. In 2002, a site by the name of Friendster comes along, giving people the opportunity to give status updates and even reveal their current mood to the friends that follow their page. In 2003, MySpace hits the scene. That's my generation. That's the old people in the back. We were MySpacers. MySpace hits the scene. You can have public profiles. You can upload videos and pictures. You can even set your personal page to have your own music in the background when people visit it. In 2004, the Facebook arrives. And unbeknownst to some of you, that's actually what it was first called, the Facebook. But they dropped the the shortly thereafter. And once it hit the scene, it changed the social media landscape for forever. In 2006, Twitter is born. 2010, Instagram joins the party. 2011, Snapchat slides in. And ever since its inception, social media has impacted and influenced people's lives in a significant way. Then in 2009, Facebook introduced something that would forever change the social media experience. It was called an algorithm. By definition, an algorithm is a process or a set of rules followed in problem-solving or in calculations for social media purposes, it became used to sort posts in users' feeds based off of relevancy. So the algorithm would prioritize what content you see first in your feed, but it quickly evolved and became even more than that where it began to identify keywords, where it could even boost or limit the visibility of yours and everybody else's posts based off the amount of interaction or comments or likes that it receives. So behind the scenes of your media interface, this invisible program influences what you see or what you don't see. It chooses what you think it likes or what it believes you prioritize, and it has the ability to enhance or limit the reach on your post. That being said, let me introduce our new series for the next few weeks called Hidden Algorithms. Just as these algorithms exist in the social world, I believe in parallel ways they exist in the spiritual. Not literally, but metaphorically speaking. And I want to hopefully shed some light on both of those tonight. I'm super excited for the word that I feel like God has placed on my heart to give you. And we're going to find it in Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. Now, I don't make the assumption that everybody has been in church for the majority of their life and knows where every book of the Bible is, but Genesis is a real simple one, even for beginners, because it's number one. You don't have to go very far. Just crack open the beginning of your Bible, and you will run smack into the book of Genesis. Genesis means start. It means beginning. So Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. And God's word says this, Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, 
Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here's my title for the first installment of this series of messages. It's going to be called Same Stuff, Different Day. Same stuff, different day. Most of you are probably familiar with this creation account, but just in case you're not, God is in the creation process where day by day he is added to the creation of the entire cosmos. And he has since created Adam and he has created Eve from Adam and he has placed them in the garden that we know as Eden and told them, all of this is for your enjoyment. I only have one rule. Don't eat from that one tree over there. Work the garden. Enjoy the fruits of it. You yourselves, as a husband and wife, be fruitful and multiply. Grow your family. Just don't mess with that one tree over there. And as the story goes, where we just picked up, we know that Satan entered into the body of the serpent and slithered up to Eve and began the process of having a conversation with her that would ultimately lead to the fall of mankind through sin entering into the world because man and woman did the one thing that God told them not to do. This is the very first instant of the devil initiating what I believe to be his very own algorithm. One of his own design that has this purpose. It aims at disconnecting mankind from God and discrediting God to mankind. Now I'm going to restate that one more time because I think it's so important to set the stage for how we understand how our adversary works in this world against our lives. His algorithm is designed to disconnect mankind from God and discredit God to mankind. The devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is a thief. He is a murderer. But listen to me, he is also cunning and crafty and subtle and slick and witty. And in that garden, he ran his algorithm on Adam and Eve and it worked. And he has stuck with it in varying ways ever since. Listen to me very plainly. The devil is not for you. Your best interest is not his purpose. No matter how he wants to frame that or shape that to you, it is, it's not. The only best interest of anybody that he has in mind is himself. He has always been about his own glory. He has always been about his own exaltation. 
He has always been about his own magnification. And if you think for one second that he's going to give you the means to eclipse him, you're dead wrong. He is not for you, not one bit. He is only for your destruction. You know, interestingly, algorithms have the capacity to evolve. They can change. Their purpose ultimately stays the same, but their methods of achieving that can evolve at times. And so they have a set purpose behind why they are written, but the methodology of the programming can change and vary from time to time in order to help it achieve the purpose for why it was written. The same goes for the devil. He has an algorithm that he has put in place, but listen to me, it has evolved over time. He has changed his methodology. He has changed his ways in which he comes at us as God's creation, the way in which he infiltrates your mind, the way in which he tries to infiltrate your soul, your life, your passions, your desires, your ambitions, your goals, all those things. He has the same purpose in mind, which is to disconnect you from God and discredit God to you. But his methods have changed along the way of how he does that. But here's the thing. When you know and understand an algorithm how it works and what it seeks to do, you can use it for your benefit. This is not an included part of the message, but some of you would really like to boost the amount of likes or comments or interactions you get on your social media. That's just the reality of things. You would like to achieve that. If you understood how the algorithm worked in your favor, you could do that no problem. See, we don't understand the power that some of these things have, the influence some of these things have over the visibility of the things that we desire. When you understand it, you can use it for your benefit. So I want to show you the phases of how the devil's algorithm works. Listen to me, not to benefit from it, but to beat it. We don't seek to understand his ways so that we can then seek to benefit from his ways. We seek to understand his ways so that we can then overcome his ways and experience victory day in and day out of our lives. How many of you are all about victory? How many of you are all about stomping on the devil's head, not wanting him to have any kind of power or authority over your life than what he deserves or what he has gained? How many of you know that Jesus is all about victory? And as such, as your Savior, he's all about you as his children experiencing that victory as well. So the reason why we're going to seek to understand the way the devil works is so that we can live in constant day-to-day victory over him. So the first phase that I want to show you that goes into his algorithm is interaction. If you go back and look at verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, The servant was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, So from what we see takes place that fateful day in the garden, Satan initiated the interaction with Eve. As far as we can tell, it was just another day of Eve minding her business, doing Garden of Eden type things, whatever that may be, and all of a sudden the serpent shows up and he said to the woman, So the devil shows up and he initiates this interaction with Eve. Eve didn't go to him. He came to her and began interacting with her. Did God actually say? Now, social media algorithms are designed to prompt or initiate interaction from you. It's why you get notifications that pop up randomly. 
More than likely, if you were to take your phones out right now, whatever social media you are a part of, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, there's going to be notifications there. Some are things that associate with people that you follow or things that you take an interest in. Some of it's just a notification that's simply going to say, hey, this person added to their story. Hey, these people added 10 photos. Why do you think you get those notifications? Did you ask Instagram, hey, did my friend add to their story? Did you ask Instagram, hey, did my friend post 10 pictures to their profile? No. Instagram just felt like maybe you ought to know. Why? Because it's desiring your interaction with it. It wants you to know that there's something going on that it thinks you need to be engaged with. It wants you to engage with it. Listen, in the same way, the devil's algorithm is to prompt or initiate you with interaction. He will lay out something in front of you. He will shoot a random thought into your mind. His notification is going to pop up. Look at this. What about that? Remember when this took place. Why? Because he wants you to engage with him. He craves screen time with you. He wants your interaction. But please listen to me here. We are never. Everybody say never. No, you got to say never. There we go. We are never to entertain interactions with our enemy. Never. Nobody in here needs to be having conversations with the devil. And you may think, well, that sounds a little weird, Trey. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I have conversations with the devil, but the moment you linger on a thought that he gave you, you're having a conversation. The moment that you decide to push on a notification that he sends you, you just engaged in a conversation. And you know the difference, right? Those of you that have the Spirit of God, you know when the devil is trying to send you notifications. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will not let you go unaware of the attack that's coming your way. We are never to entertain interactions with our enemy. As a child of God, our only interaction with the devil is to let him know in Jesus' name he has no right to our mind, he has no right to our soul, he has no right to our body, our joy, our peace, our assurance, our confidence, our purpose, is to let him know that's not yours, devil. Jesus gave me that. He gave me eternal life. He gave me joy. He gave me peace unspeakable. He gave me confidence in his name. He gave me assurance by his blood. He gave me an identity and a new nature that's not anything like my old one. So leave me alone, devil. That's not yours. Jesus gave me that. But you know what happens instead? So often as we fall victim to the interaction and like Eve, we talk back. How many of y'all as a kid got in trouble a lot for talking back? Some of us, unfortunately, have still got a little bit of that snippiness and that arrogance about us, and we talk back with the devil. Look in verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, that was a mistake. The moment she decided to engage in the interaction, 
she made a mistake. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Eve decided she was going to talk back, and when that happens, listen to me, the algorithm goes to work. On your Instagram feed right now, if you were to scroll all the way down to the bottom of what would be your current viewed post, eventually you're going to hit that space where it gives you a check mark, right? It lets you know what? You've seen all the current posts and gives you an option to view older posts, or you can scroll on past that, and you get into a bunch of other posts that are basically suggested for you. But if you've ever looked and noticed underneath that top picture will be this phrase, because you interacted with. So the next post that you are going to see are going to be the result of other posts that the algorithm has seen you interact with. So it will throw that on there to let you know the reason why you're seeing this is because you chose to interact with something similar in the past. So once you interact... Your feed is populated by the algorithm with more of the same or similar. Eve interacts, and once she does, the devil takes it and expands on it, and he will do the same thing to you as well. Once you choose to interact with him, it's not just going to stop with that one statement that he made. You're going to open everything up to an entire conversation where he now has the opportunity to wreak havoc upon your life. Why? Because you chose to interact. And let me show you how this plays out practically in your life. Because you interacted with anxiety, he populates your feed with more of it. Because you interacted once with self-harm, he populates your feed with more of it. Because you interacted with doubt, he populates your feed with more of it. Because you interacted with immorality, he will populate your feed with more of it. So watch this because I need you to see it in this way. What the devil places in your feed is just a product of what you've already shown him you'll interact with. So everybody wants to blame the devil for this struggle or this stronghold or this temptation or this trial or this difficulty. He ain't doing nothing but showing you what you've already shown him you'll interact with. Don't trifle with this trickster. He wants you to interact because when you do, he takes it into phase two. He moves from interaction to distortion. So go back and look at verse one once again. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The devil knows he's got Eve in a prime position now. And at first glance, this may seem like a harmless, innocent question, but it's a deliberate distortion of what God did say, which we find in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 15 and 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die.
The devil loves to present to us a distorted view of God's word and his parameters. He even did it to Jesus. Jesus had gone out into the desert to fast for 40 days. He was getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. And as he got to the near end of that fast, the devil shows up. And during the midst of his temptation of Jesus, he actually quotes the word to the word. Now, if you think he's so bold as to try and distort the word to the word, then what do you think he's going to do to you? The same trick. Why? Because he loves to try to distort God's word and his parameters. Whatever is true of God's nature, he seeks to distort or twist it. That's what it means to distort something. It means to twist it out of shape, to take it out of its original form. So where God is love, he wants you to see him as unloving. Where God is kind, he wants you to see him as wrathful. Where God is forgiving, he wants you to see him as condemning. Where God is just, he wants you to see him as spiteful. Whatever he can do to take God and distort and twist and take out of shape the reality of who he actually is is what he's going to seek to do. This is why it's imperative that you be careful with your interactions because those interactions can then lead to devastating distortions. For example, when you interact with porn, you now have a distorted view of sex. When you interact with alcohol or drugs, you now have a distorted view of joy. When you interact with worldly ideologies, you now have a distorted view of your best self. And when you interact with the enemy, you can leave with a distorted view of God. I came across something the other day that was kind of interesting. I'd always heard rumors of this stuff existing, but I'd never actually seen it. It was an app. I'm not going to share the name of it with you because I don't want it to then become a temptation for you to go and find it. It was an app that actually gave the ability. Maybe I'm just naive and y'all knew this way before I did. I'm sure that's probably the case. Okay. My birthday is tomorrow. I'm actually going to be 34. So I have a hard time, a harder time staying relevant with the times than I used to. And so I'm sure I'm going to say this, and you guys are going to be like, well, duh, everybody knew that. But I came across an app the other day. It actually, it was defined as a reshaping app. And so the capabilities of it were you could download the app, and you could upload a picture of yourself, and it gave you the ability to reshape your face, to reshape your figure. Some of you girls are smiling because you already know, like, you're like, yeah, I got it on my phone right now. Like, I'm just kidding. And I was like, my goodness, like, I'm going to speak to you ladies just for a second. It's no wonder why y'all struggle with self-image. It's no wonder why you have a hard time with self-esteem. Nobody's real. Social media ain't real. When I found out this kind of stuff existed, I was like, ain't nothing out there real then. Ain't nobody going to take a real picture of themselves and post it up. Hey, you guys better beware too. You guys better beware too. Listen, hey, 
Social media ain't the place to find a woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You want to find a real woman? You come to the house of God and pick one out. You come to the house of God and find you a woman that's up at the front worshiping. You come to the house of God and find you a woman that's got a Bible on her lap and a notebook in her hand and a pen in the other. You ladies, you the same way. Don't go to media to find you a man. You come to the house of God and find you a man of God that ain't afraid to worship like one. You find you a man of God that ain't afraid to live like one at his job or on campus or amongst his friends who says, I'm not going to go and do that, fellas, because that doesn't honor God. You find you a man of God in the house of God. Distortion. It's not real. Fake images everywhere. Listen, this is the devil, right? He wants you to see an image of God that's not real. See, the devil's got a reshaping app. And he wants you to apply it to whatever God's nature and character is and shape it into something that's not real. And if he can take you to that point, if he can distort who God is to you, then he moves to phase three, which is deception. Verse four, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. What did God just say? Chapter two. You will surely die. Distortion turns into deception. You will not surely die. This is a lying deception. God had indeed made it very clear to them that they would. I came across something very interesting in an article the other day. I'm going to be honest, y'all. Like This series, getting ready for it, kind of tripped me out a little bit. I'm beginning to see that media of all forms is wicked. Uh, yes, it can be used for some good, but the evils, let me tell you, far outweigh the good. And I came across this article the other day where this man was talking about he was a media insider. And he was a part of a team of programmers that the social media giants had given the task of writing the programs for the algorithms that they were going to use. And the people that were over these guys actually said to them, we want you to try and find a way to write the algorithms in such a manner that it will incite FOMO in the users when they interact with our media. Did you hear what I just said? These people, one of these programmers to write these algorithms in such a way that it would stir up inside of you this fear of missing out. Now, his explanation as to why they wanted to do that is because if they could create that inside of you, the user, then it's that much more time you will spend scrolling and swiping and thumbing through everybody's mindless junk because you have a fear that you are going to miss out on somebody's experience somebody's vacation, somebody's life update. They wanted the algorithms written in such a way that it would create this fear of missing out inside of you. This is one of the main ways that the devil wants to use deception in people's lives. He wants you to think that God is a buzzkill, that he's withholding the real pleasures of life from you, and that if you play by his rules, you're going to miss out on so much. That's the deceptive part of his algorithm. It's aimed at designing this fear of missing out inside of you because of what God has said. 
He wants you to look at God as being somebody who is a killjoy, as being somebody who wants to take your life for his own demands and his own pleasures, not allowing you to experience anything for yourself. And listen, this is key. The way he gets us to buy into deception, because most of the time people don't just blatantly walk into a deceptive lie. So the way he gets us to buy into deception is by instilling doubt on God's directions. Now, how do I know that? Because of what his response was to Eve. He says, you will not surely die. Now, you have to understand that's so much more than just a simple statement. It is an all-out assault on God's trustworthiness. He pulls Eve off to the side, asks her, what did God really say? Eve says, he said this. The devil counters with deception and says, you won't surely experience that. That's deception, and it's casting doubt on the trustworthiness of God. Essentially, the devil is trying to get Eve to think that God is not worthy of her trust, that he is somebody who will go back on his word. And so don't give yourself over to God. Don't give yourself over to God's desires. Don't give yourself over to God's commands, God's guidelines, God's parameters. Why? Because he's not going to come through on his word. He can't be trusted. That's not actually going to happen if you do that. You won't actually experience those things. There won't actually be any abundant life. He won't actually give you purpose. He won't actually give you a plan. He won't actually lead you through the path of life. He won't actually ever leave you or forsake you. He won't actually give you immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. None of that will actually happen because he can't be trusted. The devil will tell you that that may have been what he said, but it's not what he really meant. And then he pulls her off to the side and he says, I'll show you what life is. I'll show you what joy is. I'll give you pleasures that God withholds. Genesis 131. God gets to the end of the creation. I want you to say something. He gets to the end of all creation. And Genesis 131 says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. God is the creator of all things good. Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If God is the creator of all things good, the devil is the manipulator of all things good. Don't be deceived by him. Don't be deceived by him. Interaction, distortion, deception. Phase four kicks in at this point. Temptation. If you go and look at verse five, the dialogue continues and the devil says to Eve, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What could sound better to Eve than to be like God? Sounds like a pretty good bargain. Sounds like a pretty good trade-off. See, the devil is a master at tempting your temptations. He knows what you like. He knows what appeals to you. And he knows how to put it in front of you in a way that is all but irresistible. 
And so it's important that you understand that he's good at tempting your temptations because there has to be a method to all the madness. Even that can't be done flippantly, and even the devil doesn't do that without understanding the nuances of what temptation is like. So, for example, I'm not tempted by butter pecan ice cream. But if you set that cookies and cream in front of me, that's a different animal. I'm not tempted by all kinds of different forms of fashion. But if you put me in a sporting goods store and walk me back to the fishing apparel, there's going to be problems. What I'm saying is different people are tempted by different things in different ways. And the devil knows exactly what to slide in front of you. He knows exactly what you have an appetite for. See, one function of media algorithms is determining which ads you're going to see marketed in front of you while you're on there having your scrolling experience. And it's funny how it seems to know just the flavor mix of things that you like to put in front of you to be marketed. On top of that, we all know they've taught that thing how to listen somehow too, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's freaky. This is no lie. I was telling my wife the other day about this old video uh, at a funeral, and they're going to do the, you know, release the doves and all that stuff, and it, it's sweet and special. And I was telling her how this is an old video, too. Like, I saw this video, like, a long, long time ago. Hadn't seen it ever since. But I was telling her about this. I was like, you ever seen a video? You know, like, I don't even know what we were talking about. But we're talking about the funeral, and I'm like, they, the guy opens up the box, and the birds fly out. One of them flies across the road and gets smeared by a truck. And like the whole family sitting there, like it's this sweet moment. We're trying to memorialize a loved one. They let the birds out, you know, to symbolize his spirit going off into heaven. And the bird goes across the street, and this truck comes flying by, and it's just like, bah! Everybody was like, oh my, oh God. The next day, guess what shows up in my reels? I kid you not. Like, I, God strike me dead if I'm lying about this illustration. Like, the third one that I went to, here's the old boy opening up that box. I text her. I was like, I actually sent it to her. You can go, you can find my wife after the service and say, I want to see it because I sent it to her. And I was like, I crap you not. Look what just showed up on my phone. Hey, listen, the devil already has particular ads designed specifically for what he knows you like. But I want to show you something found in this temptation that he sets before Eve. He says, if you eat of this tree, you'll become like God. Did you notice? But the thing is, she already was like God. She had already been created in his image. Living along with her husband at that particular moment in time in sinless perfection, it couldn't get any better for them. And the devil says, hey, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because he knows if you do, you'll become like him. But Eve had already forgotten the identity that had been bestowed 
upon her by the creator of the universe. You are created in my image. Listen, this is a very dangerous thing as men and women of God to forget the identity that we are made in the image of our creator and sustainer. I think what Satan hates the most about us is that God gave us the image that he's always desired. The truth is Satan has always wanted to be like God. Better yet, he's always wanted to be above God. And he can't stand the fact that me and you are the ones that get to bear his image. That's why he hates you so bad. That's why he's not for you. That's why he wants your life, even in this moment, to be hell on earth. He's not about you. Why? Because you're created in the image of the one he hates the most. So he makes these statements. He puts out these temptations that promise much, but they deliver little. So the next time he tempts you, maybe hit him up with that thanks, but no thanks. It doesn't get any better for me than what I've been given. But if he does get you into the temptation, you do fall victim to it like Eve does here. What comes next is perhaps maybe the nail in the coffin of his algorithm, and that's accusation. If you skip down a few verses in verse 8, it says, after this has happened, so Eve ate, Adam ate, sin has entered into the world for the first time. In verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide? Because for the first time in their mortal lives, they experienced something that God never intended for them to experience. And it wasn't the fact that they became like him. It's the fact that they became separated from him. And they're hiding because they're experiencing for the first time guilt, shame, and embarrassment. That's the only reason anybody hides. Fear that comes from the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment of doing something that we should not have done. And it's a default response built into all of us that you've done since childhood. It's when you broke the lamp in the living room and you just took off running to your bedroom and jumped into bed and act like you'd been sleeping for the whole time. Where did those feelings come from? They didn't come from God. And it's funny because at this moment, the devil's presence is gone. But his voice is still talking. It's time to hide now. Because you done messed up. But you said if we ate, oh no. No, no, no. You should not have done that. Guy's upset. You know why he's in the garden? Because you're fitting to get a whooping. Y'all don't know what a switching is yet, but God's fixing to go over there and cut one off the tree and give you one good one. <laughs> they hiding. Why? Because the devil's accusing. And most times I find it to be true that when believers are hiding 
It's because they're being accused. And they can't deal with the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment of what they did. Because what they did came at the hands of somebody who promised much but delivered little. In the book of Zechariah, we see a picture of Joshua the high priest and he's standing before God and Satan is present with him. Joshua is covered in these filthy garments and he's got a filthy turban on his head and it represents the sins of himself and all the people of Israel. And Satan's present and they're both standing before God and Satan's just heaping accusation upon Joshua. Look at his filth. Look at his nastiness. Look at the sins. Look at all the ways in which he's rebelled against you, God. Look at all the ways in which he's turned his back against you. Look at all the ways in which he's chosen to not love you. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But there's somebody else in the room. And that's Jesus. And Jesus walks up. And he rebukes Satan. And he says, be quiet. Take the dirty garments off of him. Put clean and pure vestments on. Take the dirty turban off. And put a clean one on his head. Because this is a brand that I've plucked from the fire. You shut your mouth, devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is the advocate of the beloved. Man, aren't you thankful we have an advocate who stands before God when our accuser wants to lay out our sin and our filth before him and say, you shut your mouth, devil. I bought that. That's mine. My blood covered that. He don't have the dirty garments on anymore. She don't have the dirty garments on anymore. She got my righteousness on. He's got my righteousness on. Thankful that we have an advocate. Hey, listen. It's the same old stuff the devil's doing. It's just a different day. But now you know his methods. And so instead of falling victim to his algorithms... I say in the name of Jesus, we beat them. Don't interact with him. Don't let him distort your view of God. Don't let him deceive you into something that's not going to fulfill. Don't let him tempt you with something that God says is not as good as what I've provided. And then if he does accuse you, remind him that you've got an advocate. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.